Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Mindful Muslim podcast. On this episode, I will be speaking to Brother Mustafa, who is from Liverpool. He shares with us his childhood trauma. We talk about marriage and he gives us lots of advice on marriage. Assalamu alaikum Mustafa, thank you so much for joining me on the Mindful Muslim podcast. How are you? Walaikum assalam, uh, thank you for having this event. Jazakum Lakair for inviting me, it's been a pleasure to be here. I am very well, thank you. And yourself? Fantastic, yeah, I'm doing really well. Thanks again for joining me. Um, I guess it would be great to just start off by asking you who you are, um, if you're okay to share with our audience a little bit about you. Sure, my name is uh, Mustafa, I'm from Liverpool. Is a Everybody knows me. <laughs> um, I'm born in Bangladesh, came here when I was nine months old, living in Liverpool since uh, 1978. Long time Liverpool football club uh, uh, fan. Sorry, just say that wrong. Liverpool football club fan. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I'm a pharmacologist, went to Liverpool University 2001. Uh, I worked for Apple for 10 years. I went back to study at Cambridge University doing Islamic philosophy. And now I'm studying uh, other things, uh, management, and I'm also uh, doing other projects, which will be revealed in course. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, it sounds like you've um, got varied interests and clearly a lot of um, talent as well that comes with, with those. So I'm <laughs> um, just having spoken to you before the podcast, that's really clear to see. Um, I wondered if you would be able to share um, some of your experience to do with, with bereavement, because I know that, um, again, before the podcast, we had, we had a little chat about that. Yeah, bereavement is something close to my heart. Um, it shouldn't be the case because it's not something that you want to ever go through. Um, I was 14 when my dad died. Um, basically an orphan by under Quranic law, um, very difficult part of my life. And the raw emotion will never go away. I still feel the intense, confused feeling of that night, and it hasn't gone. It deeply affects me still, and, and no matter how much I don't want to think about it, it's always going to be there. It's part of my life. It's, it's made me who I am today. And it's something that people should talk about, but we don't. And that's one of the reasons why I'm here to actually discuss that situation. Mm -hmm. Can you delve a little bit more into that? Do you sort of see the loss of your father as uh, childhood trauma or uh, the, the, in the way that he passed? Or can you share a little bit more about that? Sure, definitely trauma. Um, when a loved one dies of cancer, it really hits you hard 10 times over. Um, it's just something that no child should ever go through, seeing the mom or dad die in front of them. And especially if cancer is, it's horrible and you can't just turn it off like that. Very difficult to actually not think about it. Um, and it's something that's affected me since that time. It doesn't go away. You live with it, you deal with it. Um, and there are different ways of dealing with situations like that. Can you take us back to that time and, and, and some of those feelings and maybe just put a little context into the situation? So you were 14 at the time, um, a teenager. Can you tell us some more about whether, uh, you know, you had known about your father's um, illness or was it sudden? 
he wasn't well for a long time to be fair um he was ill for about eight months prior to that in and out of hospital in a wheelchair although he was mobile he just uh wasn't that bad until uh probably april may and then june when he passed away um he had we knew he had cancer uh bone cancer absolutely the worst cancer you can go through um and other uh minor ailments but it was unexpected. I never thought he was going to go so quickly. And he was very young for his age. Um, he was the most senior of all the uncles, but still, you know, we never thought he was going to go like that. It was a sudden death, you could say. Um, I wasn't prepared for it, and neither was my mum. Actually, nobody was. Um, from that moment on, I was confused. I didn't know what was going on. There was a lack of direction in my life. There was no vision. There was no mastery in my life what to do. What, that's where a, you need your dad's guidance. Over above your mum's love. You need both parents, but your dad's guidance sets you on your uh, course for success. And I didn't have that. And um, it's taken me a very, very long time to get where I am. Um, so I guess those early stages of, of, of grief and, and the aftermath of, of losing your father, what was that like for you personally and then maybe uh, some family members or, or was it just do you have siblings? I'm the only one. So especially in a foreign country, when you're a boy, you have a lot more responsibility to look after the family and all my family's back home. They can't help me directly. It was very difficult. Um, a lot of problems in my life started happening, academic issues, social problems, um, not being able to go out because my mum was in mourning for three months and 10 days. I was stuck in the house. I couldn't go anywhere. And this is where, the, this is where you need your friends and family. And to be honest, I was on my own. Um, there wasn't much help. Um, although to be fair, the, the support I got was actually from a non-Muslim childhood friend of mine um, and I will never forget that because we grew up together mm, mm, amazing um, so I guess the the help that you mentioned was from from a good friend of yours were, were there any other um, moments that come to mind now in terms of that time and losing your father and ways that you coped with with that loss did you just sort of get on, you know, because yeah. as a child, maybe it's very difficult to really just fathom everything that's happened. It's overwhelming. Yeah. Um, basically, I would go out on walks, uh, go with my friend. Um, um, shopping wise, that was another problem. Uh, although my mom could drive, um, she couldn't drive because she was still in mourning. She didn't want to drive. So my next door neighbor, she's actually an atheist. Uh, very good human being. She, she did a lot for us, uh, driving me all over the place to shops. Never forget that. Same with my, uh, my non-Muslim friend. He's actually Hindu. Never ever forget what they did for us. That cannot be thanked enough. Mm, amazing. And um, was there any therapy that you had post your father's passing? Interesting question. Um, I assume when people die, that the NHS would automatically contact bereaved families. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. We didn't know that we had to contact the NHS directly. So we probably lost out. At the time, counseling wasn't very well known in terms of a treatment. Um, 
and it still isn't a very well-known source of therapy still, even despite all the facts about famous people having uh, therapy. Um, I just thought, well, the only people who are going to help me really are people who have been in that same situation. Uh, and if you're a counsellor, you have to go for the same situation to understand that problem. But we didn't have that. Uh, Therapy-wise, it was me and my mum. Just doing my salat, that kept me strong. Uh, without my faith, I would have been completely lost. Um, and uh, any other kind of support systems that 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 you that you had at the time, or was it very much your faith, um, your mother, your friends that you mentioned, the neighbour that you mentioned? Were those All really of, the yeah. main sources of support of for you? Um, yeah. And the first two or three weeks, we did have the old friends coming over. That was very helpful. Um, some of them talked to me. Um, but as with the situation, uh, once that time goes, you're back on your own two feet. You have to deal with it. Um, people tend to not forget on purpose, uh, but they have their own busy lives. And people just don't talk about that situation anymore. People actually don't mention it anymore. They think that, oh, it's it was 33 years ago, get over it. Uh, no, how would you feel? <laughs> You've not been through it. None of them have been through it. Um, I was the only one. Um, and mentally, it's actually made me stronger. Uh, I've seen things that my peers, my friends have never seen. Um, and I'm going to be controversial here. Uh, most people I know in my community, they would not have probably not survived that situation. It's very difficult to actually talk to somebody who's been bereaved. Um, and I know a lot of people have been bereaved, and even then it's hard for me to actually go to them and say, can I help you? They might take it the wrong way mm. because they're grieving themselves. And, it's, and I know what they're going through, but even then it's difficult. Um, so sensitivity is important. Yeah, yeah. Would that be your your advice to to somebody that, that wanted to, to help as much as they could? So if we have a friend or or somebody that's gone through this this loss that you've mentioned, especially losing a parent, um, what do you think the, the best um, help would be, the kind of support that, that we could give each other? Take your time to actually speak to that person. Um, they may not be forthcoming. They may be angry, not directly at you. They may shout at you, and I have seen it happen, but it's nothing personal. It's just the way that they deal with things. Um, and try to be there for them and not to say the usual statements like they're in a better place it doesn't help it really doesn't it sounds insensitive and it and to be honest in my situation i would feel that way um, if somebody said um let me know what i can do and i really mean it uh fine or sometimes not saying anything is just as good because what can you say um, if you truly mean what you say then act on it and that's easier said than done. I think that's amazing advice, actually, because um, saying that they're in a better place, I can see how somebody who has really ex ex or who's going through that grief, not even just experienced it and then it's gone, but when it, especially when it's so raw, um, you, it, I, I imagine that it's actually we say it all the time, but it's actually something that makes a lot of sense. That's something that we should say less. Um, yeah. Because say, because you want yeah. it's you're you're in that grief you're in yeah. that um, such a difficult time. 
as I say, less is more. And you're in such pain and sorrow. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen close friends. Actually, one of my close friends, um, he, oh, actually, his dad passed away about uh, three and a half years ago. Uh, we saw uncle the day before he passed away. My friend called me immediately say, my dad's taking a turn for the worse. I said, okay, we're coming right over. Um, and my mom was actually crying in front of uncle, asking for his forgiveness. She didn't do anything wrong. And no one thought that uncle was going to go. And um, such a nice man, and very, very respected. And this is my mom who's crying and asking for forgiveness for someone who's about to pass. I mean, if that doesn't touch you, then I don't know what does. Um, I was there and um, it was very difficult for me. Um, I've seen other people pass away. I've seen, um, obviously my dad, I've seen him pass away. I've seen other friends, uh, dads pass away. It doesn't get any easier. It's very, very difficult even for me and I, I've hardened myself uh, in that regard it is very very tough Do you um, you mentioned faith earlier and how that helped you and, and, and sticking to your Salah especially it sounds like as well um, were there any, any other kind of takeaways from from Islam that, that helped you through um, that difficult period or even later on in your life did you get a chance to maybe explore Islam a little bit more? I know you mentioned your studies as well. Um, you know, help or, or solace that you found in the Quran. Were there any 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 anything that you can share in ter- in that regard? Sure. Uh, I mean, coming from a deeply religious family, Quran Sharif is a, a foundation of any good Muslim family, um, and we have to study it and understand it. And that is something we do not do as a Muslim community. I have to say. We read it, but do we know actually what it's saying? Uh, one of the most important uh, things is to read the Surah Al-Kaf. I, that, that's for a lot of reasons. It protected me. Um, doing my salat also it keep, kept me in focus. If you don't pray, you're not in focus. Whatever situation, um, Allah will not, Allah will not, never overburden us. We will have to deal with everything as it comes. and. The best therapy is to go through all the du'as as much as possible. Understand the Quran surely. That's the key thing. And not just read it for the sake of it. Absolutely. Um, I mean, what comes to mind is, is uh, I'm not quoting the Quran, um, but uh, certain verses that acknowledge that we will have losses in our life is what comes to mind for me, definitely. I think um, having lost a parent myself as well, um, that was a huge thing for me in terms of I can see here in the Quran like Allah is actually acknowledging this and and my pain and acknowledging that this is what I will go through and and that was amazing uh, for me for me so I don't know if that um, rings true for you as well definitely Um, there's a lot to learn in the Quran I'm still learning Um, I do have some regrets about not following my dad too as much as I could. Uh, he was Hafiz and a uh, scholar. Um, my mom wanted to be be like him. Uh, a lot of things happened, but you know, it's uh, there's a lot of things I'm still learning, and it's a good thing. Um, no one's perfect, 
And if everyone is perfect, you never learn anything. Absolutely. Um, I guess I want to move on a little bit to um, a matrimonial service that you that you started. So can you tell us a little bit more about um, how that came about and what really prompted you to, to start the service in the first place? Great topic, marriage, isn't it? <laughs> uh, well, basically, I had this idea in 2015. Um, I thought, well, something's not right. None of my friends are getting married, if any. Certainly Liverpool. Um, they don't. Some of them don't live in cities. That's the problem. They live in a rural area, and it's very difficult for them to attract a good partner. Um, I think most girls would like to live in a city, to be fair. So that's what I've seen. And so I thought, well, why isn't anybody helping our brothers and sisters? Sure, there are great apps out there. Some are better than others. Some are more secure than others. But what are they actually doing? Um, everything's online, fair enough, but you know, everything's so artificial. It's so artificially inflated. Um, how do you know this person just by looking at them? Oh, great photo. Oh, great video. Uh, what else? Um, you have to see the person uh, in person. <laughs> Uh, and I thought, well, if the apps are doing it, I can do it better. But it's been a work in progress. Um, obviously, with the COVID situation, that didn't help uh, my project. It was on hold for a, a good number of years. And then my mom finally invested in it <laughs> by the blessing of Allah. Uh, she actually had a chat with one niece and her husband. Um, so they said to my mom, yeah, Dadima, you know, uncles is correct. There's a huge demand. Um, but any project is hard to do from the beginning, but she finally gave her blessing and she said, okay, I'm going to help you. And um, Alhamdulillah, we have a world-class team uh, in Kolkata, um, in India, so it's in user testing mode. So we are looking at possibly at a January launch. Um, can't confirm that. Depends on how much user testing is required. Um, it's a world-class website, lots of features which... Uh, I would love to talk about <laughs> and um, it'll be a premium service. Alhamdulillah, looking forward to that inshallah in the future. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about what to expect from the service? Anything else that you can share in terms of um, how it would actually work? Sure. So for example, on most sites, um, not mentioning any uh, in particular, they go through a selfie verification, which just takes your photo and that just proves who you are. Actually, it doesn't. It only proves where you live. It doesn't prove your ID. Uh, just imagine going to an airport and just giving a selfie to, just to get on a, on a plane. It's never going to work. You have to go through security. With our system, we actually use airport-level technology, airport-level security to ensure that the person you're communicating with is who they say they are. And it's the same technology used in Heathrow Airport, Manchester, and various other organizations. So it's uh, really, really super secure. I see, I see. Thank you so much for sharing some more about that. We look forward to it. Um, I guess uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how Islam plays a role in marriage. And if you could sum that up, that would be that would be really helpful at this point. Sure. Well, as I think we're all aware, Islam is half the deen, as the proverb goes. I think it was in Surah Al-Baqarah that marriage is mentioned a lot, if I'm not mistaken. And unfortunately... The problem with, is with the people nowadays. Uh, Islam is perfect, Muslims are not. Why aren't people getting married? There's a lot of issues going on. Um, I call it the unsocial media element, has, a lot of, has done a lot of damage to it. 
in terms of what people are expecting in a marriage from the boy side and from the girl side. Uh, there are a lot of problems and I don't think our communities are actually helping the situation. Certainly our masjids are not ill-equipped to help people. Um, not many mosques can actually have a marriage service. There's very few actually. Birmingham Central Mosque is very well known, very successful. Um, but that's one of the only ones that I do know. There are more in London, but we need more. Mm, mm. Um, you've mentioned before that, that it's um, difficult to, to find a partner. So um, one of the ways that you're you're trying to solve this is is with your with your service, inshallah. But um, and 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 the mosques that you mentioned, there are some that will that will have services as well. Um, but but I guess I want to dive into what should uh, we be looking for in in our partner. It's a great question because it's something that we don't look at. We look at certain things: beauty, wealth, uh, piety, the usual stuff. Uh, but nowadays, it's just a clinical exercise. Uh, has been for many, many years. You know, tick, tick, tick. And if you get a red cross, it's out. <laughs> it, you know, no one's perfect. And people should not expect perfection. If we're all perfect, we're never going to be content with having a perfect life. You get bored. There's nothing new to learn. So I would say to people, especially students, as soon as you hit 18, go to college or university, start looking for a potential partner because it's going to take time. You have to start early because by the time you're 30, it's going to be very difficult when the pool has narrowed considerably. And by the time you're 40, it's exceedingly difficult to find a quality partner. And we're living in a, we're living in a, as a minority within a minority. So we have to take that into account. And I don't think we do. Sure, sure. So in, in terms of um, uh, characteristics that you think would be important to, to look out for or... Or red flags even to to share what, what would you say red flags that's a good one <laughs> there's lots of those um do you mean in person or online more in, in person yeah the red flag is well one of the red flags are that um if somebody's asking uh somebody out what do they have in mind that's difficult to say because uh nowadays you can't trust anybody really especially online in person you need to get people behind you um, get your family involved, get your imam involved. If it, if the imam is any good, and not all imams are quality, I have to say, a good imam will do their due diligence. Uh, they will try and find out about the other family and then have a meeting. It is very difficult to have in-person meetings nowadays. Everything is online. That's a problem. And um, it doesn't help. There's a lot of red flags. I think red flags is probably easy to pick up online. Mm. Certainly in terms of um, if somebody's asking for financial assistance, definitely. Um, and that could go for in-person as well. And what's your opinion on... Um, I don't know if there's a certain notion of, of asking less questions when we're first meeting somebody or being introduced into somebody, a potential partner. Um, there might be this idea that we are fearful to even ask lots of questions. What's your opinion on that? It's a good point. If you've got lots of questions, I would, because you need to know exactly what that person's going to be about. Are you who you say you are? Um, but not too many questions. Just ask the standard questions. Hi, where are you from? Uh, what do you do? And then if you like the person, second meeting. Um, obviously, uh, in a public area, we always recommend a, a mahram. 
Uh, but not everybody can have a mahram. But do it in a public area if you're going to meet somebody. Uh, certainly, I guess it, all that the questioning aspect as well is so important when it comes to seeing if your values are aligned, seeing if your vision for your life is is aligned with with that person as well. And I think possibly also another thing would be if um, the, the pace that the relationship is going at, uh, you know, for, for the families involved, for the for the potential couple involved as well. Like you say, if they're not sort of um, willing to introduce their partner to their family, I would think. Well, why, you know, if, if, if it's not an, at an early stage in particular? Um. Yeah, um, I come across a lot of stories. Um, I think we've all heard about these horror stories on, online and in person. Um, if somebody is asked, or yeah, if a, if a family is asking for an immediate marriage very quickly without checking you up, but they know about you, but you don't know about them, but they're asking for a very quick marriage, you've got to be careful. Mm. And I've all too often I've seen people in a situation where they've actually said, oh, we like the girl and all that. They've done immediate marriage and things go wrong. Uh, and yeah, be careful, do your due diligence, ask questions which are important, uh, and then you make a decision and do your own investigation. Absolutely, and I think you said before, there's sort of a balance to be had between asking too much maybe, um, but just not asking enough as well about that person, their friends. And I think um, I, I'd love to kind of continue our conversation about marriage because there's there's so much to talk about. Um, uh, the, the kind of next thing I'd love to he hear your opinion on is the halal way of getting to know a partner. Um, what would be your sort of um, advice on that, I suppose? We've touched already. Um, get your family involved. Uh, especially for the sisters, um, I know a lot of sisters who don't have a mahram, they live alone, it's not their fault, mm. things happen. Um, so get yourself a good imam, if possible, to actually vouch for you. Mm. If not, then get a quality family who you know, and they can help you. Uh, because that way, the wife can see things, and especially the, hus the husband will also see things in a different way. Um, definitely get your family involved, especially for like students. Um, they'll be, I don't like the term dating, it's a horrible term. Um, I, you know, if you're going to have a halal meet, make sure you've done it properly with your parents. They have to know where you are, where you're going, who you're with, and then make sure you introduce uh, your potential spouse to your family. Yeah, I, I think that's amazing advice because um, I think we sometimes can forget what a big step marriage is. And, and starting a relationship or, or families getting to know each other. It's such a momentous moment in life that, you know, I think with the addition of these apps that you've mentioned, it can become just very sort of forgetting just how important it is. You know, marriage in Islam is, is like you said, yeah. half our deen, just so, such an integral part of. Yes, marriage is a 3D situation, as I call it, not like a one-dimensional attribute given to an app. You're not thinking straight you're just looking at a photo and then yep swipe look at the person if you like them talk to them have a video call um that's that's halal that's allowed as long as uh, there's a mahram on a sister side that's fine no issue with that uh but yeah just just do things properly <laughs> that's what i say mm, absolutely um I guess um, I'd love to sort of link what we've spoken about before with with marriage. So do you think 
I mean, I do, I do believe that um, childhood traumas or tra- or even just traumatic experiences that we've had previous to us getting married can affect our relationship. Um, have you experienced that yourself? What is your opinion on that? Um, it makes it difficult. Um, I mean, obviously, um, I was very young. Uh, this was 1989. So um, by the time um, looking from a marriage partner if you're in a situation like that if you lost your dad especially you need a male father figure who's going to take charge of things could be an uncle could be a granddad could be a brother but if you're not in that situation which i was not in it's very difficult to find a suitable partner um no one's going to help because once your dad goes people just don't want to know it does happen they just let things be and then you're on your own and who do you trust to actually ask for support um, it can be very difficult, um, especially for the girls, uh, if it's a physical abuse. It could be a sexual abuse. It could be abandonment, in the case of one of my close friends. Um, and she can't get married because, her, unfortunately, the Asian family did a lot of damage to her reputation and her mum, single-parent family. They were divorced at a young age, very deeply religious family. And we know them very well. It's very terrible, especially for the women. And then you've got foster care issues and uh, other PTSD trauma-based situations, uh, which nobody should ever go through. And I do come across a lot of that in my field. One of the other questions I wanted to ask you was, sometimes we might have heard of or experienced even ourselves that we might choose to get married to get away or to escape. A certain situation or a certain feeling even what would you say about that do you think that that's the that's a reasonable reason to get married or 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 should there be um a different purpose to marriage marriage is the union of not just two souls but two families but getting married just for the sake of it they just don't take marriage uh seriously um, I've come across a lot of people who are they're not prepared. I've told them, you're not prepared for it. Mm-hmm. I'm not even a counsellor and I can tell they're not prepared. Um, so Mustafa, I guess my next question is, can you give me your ultimate purpose of marriage? What would that be to you? Great question. Uh, I think we know what that is. <laughs> uh, that uh, marriage is half the dean, uh, as the saying goes. Um, however, staying married and getting married, sorry, getting married and staying married are two different things, especially nowadays with what's going going on, social media situation, etc. However, um, a marriage is about uh, being committed, having trust with each other, and that's the most important thing. Communication is very, very important uh, about having a beautiful family, having um, children, strong communities, thriving communities. That's what we want. And it's not happening. Why is it happening? In this country, it's very difficult. We live in a non-Muslim country. It's to be expected. But we are making it very difficult for ourselves, though. Uh, even back home, it's difficult getting married nowadays with a lot of things going on. Social media's done a lot of damage. Uh, and it goes ties into what we said before in the beginning. Um, we make it hard for ourselves. There's just too many problems out there um, getting in the way of finding a good marriage partner. Um, 
I guess uh, if if marriages go wrong um, and and the people involved in that marriage no longer want to stay in that marriage, they choose to have a divorce. Um, what's your sort of take on divorce in general? Um, the kinds of important aspects that you want to highlight here, uh, feel free to do that um, in terms of the timing, you know, I, uh, couples might stay a long time in a marriage when both of them are unhappy, for example. What would you... That's a huge question, as big as marriage itself. Um, divorce is happening a lot, unfortunately. In the Western Muslim world, there's a 42% divorce rate. But that's shockingly high, and it's similar to the UK wider population. Okay. So that's, you just wonder, why is it happening? Not just the Muslim but also everywhere else. People are not tolerant. Uh, nowadays, people just get divorced over nothing. Absolutely nothing, and I've seen it. Um, financial issues, uh, that's a huge one. Uh, trust issues. Divorce in Islam is allowed, but it's also the most discouraged. Uh, and whether men give the talaq or women give the hula, we don't actually know what the, the split is, uh, but I was it could be 50-50, could be higher on either side, I don't know. But it's going, a, it's going a long, it's getting a lot higher nowadays. And we need to actually have some strategies in place to minimize that. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, uh, I guess it would be great if you could delve a little bit more in terms of um, if either side or if one uh, person in that marriage is unhappy, you know, how, how can they sort of begin to think about and, and get a better idea of whether this is the decision I, I need to make, it, divorce is right, and that's the, that's the road that I'm going to go down? Get your families involved, definitely. Uh, especially for single women, get your mahram involved. Um, you need uh, somebody who speak on your behalf. Uh, women are going to have a more, much more difficult time of it. Um, you know, people will just stay in a marriage just for izzat, uh, for honor. Um, well, that's not going to help. Because why would you want to stay in a marriage that you're not happy in? Uh, for If it's a really serious situation, you have to get out of that marriage. You need your escape to victory. You don't want to be staying in that marriage for the sake of it. There's no point. And you're going to harm yourself mentally as well perhaps physically. Um, so there's a lot of things that should be done. Um, definitely get your family involved, get your community involved. Uh, tell people what has actually been happening. If somebody's saying other things, you definitely need to uh, get the word out. Mm. Do you think um, divorce is still taboo in the Muslim community? Not so much nowadays. Um, years ago, people never used to talk about it. But funnily enough, uh, the Sahaba, they were marrying divorcees. They had no issue. Actually, I think there was a well-known story um, about there was a divorced woman who uh, would have a difficult choice choosing between men in those days because they were very sought after. Why is there a problem now? Because we make it a problem. Um, people no longer want to stay in a 40-year marriage, and I've seen families split after 40 years of marriage. Very old friends. It's unbelievable. Although, having said that, I mean, my mum and dad got married in 1948. 
uh, they had one of the longest marriages in the world uh, until 1989, uh, which is, alhamdulillah, incredible. That is a Cinderella fairy tale. It doesn't exist nowadays so much, unfortunately. Lack of tolerance. It's also fair to say, and I'm going to be controversial here, that a lot of our parents also stay together for the sake of the family. Do they really love each other? Maybe they did, maybe they didn't as much. Um, but he stayed, they stayed together because they couldn't go through a divorce. They tolerated it. Mm. But no one's going to tolerate an intolerable marriage nowadays. Yeah. It's best to get out and mm. get your escapism. You need to get out as soon as possible if you are in a life-threatening situation. Absolutely. Um, I, um, I wonder if our viewers or listeners or um, would have this view that maybe uh, having uh, getting divorced is giving up. Do you think that's... Um, a, a way of thinking about it that's appropriate? Do you, do, do you think a divorce is giving up? It would depend on the situation. Mm. I think it goes back to the previous point you made, um, the question that you made. If you're in that marriage mm. and it's not suitable, mm. then you have given up. Because you're not escaping from a, a life-threatening situation. Mm. You have to get out. That is not then If you're not getting out, then you've given up. Mm. But if you are in a situation where you need, and that you know you can leave, and then you've got help, then you haven't given up because that is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are out of that situation. And all too often, I, I think a lot of sisters don't give the hula because they think it's going to go bad on them. Mm. It's just for the izzat, the honor. And they shouldn't think like that. Yes. And um, like you mentioned, maybe staying in a marriage that you know is toxic or, or there's there's abuse going on, um, getting out as, as early as possible is... is... Definitely is what you'd recommend. Um, and uh, apart from that, we know that Islam says that divorce is allowed. Is there any other light in terms of the Islamic perspective that, that you wanted to share on, on divorce? Um, it's a huge topic. <laughs> um, all I can say is, you know, um, it happens. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of my friends have been through it. Um, not having a blame culture. That's you don't want to have a blame culture unless you know the other person's done something critically wrong, uh, and other people have to know about it. Uh, and the problem is having a blame culture doesn't help because you could be a fault as well. But you know things happen in life. Things happen in a marriage which go horribly wrong. But just accept that it wasn't meant to be, and then move on. Uh, some people never, can never move on. Uh, men are more women. Uh, men tend to be very reserved, as I think we all know. Uh, stiff upper lip, can't tell the truth. Oh, I'm not going through this. You know, I'm not. I've got no mental health problems. Uh, anybody's gone through that sort of situation is going to have that issue. But be open with it. Talk to a counselor, a therapist. Um, it'll do you good. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, going back to some of the problems that we mentioned before, in terms of within a marriage, there are there could there are always going to be issues that come up. Um, you know, whether it's to do with communication or, or misunderstandings. 
what are, can you give us some advice on or, or or tips on how to solve marital problems maybe some general tips um on on how to solve marital problems when they marital problems when they come up talk about it have an open discussion uh if you got kids um bring them into the conversation if it's relevant uh if it's a monetary issue it's probably not relevant and that can have horrendous repercussions um take your time three to six months if it's a minor thing uh shouldn't take that long but if it's more serious like yeah see a counselor after three to six months uh see a therapist depending what sort of help you need even see an imam if it's a a marital issue um unfortunately with most uh, imams that i know um they're not equipped for this sort of thing uh they're very good at what they do in terms of leading prayers in the mosque but they're not great at giving pre or post marital support mm -hmm. they need to be trained in that and it's unbelievable that an imam is not equipped in that regard so we are letting ourselves down as well um, if you can't trust your imam to help you then who are you going to trust um, ideally you'd want to see a, a muslim counselor or a muslim therapist they have uh, the ability to see things the islamic way um, i don't disregard um, non-muslim counselors because they can be very very good in some ways better but they don't have that um, knowledge of islam to actually delve deep in quranic uh, readings and that lens yeah exactly. yeah yeah absolutely um so so you've we've already touched on um, my second question which was about uh counseling and and getting that advice for for marital problems but i guess uh one of the key things i took away from from what you just were saying there is is listening to each other so even if the you know marital problems are are daily small arguments or incidents that happen it's about communicating and communication is all about listening to each other and trying to see things from the other person's perspective would you say that that's that? um communication is something uh not all parents are great at it mm. as i mentioned before you can tolerate each other mm. doesn't mean you're going to love each other doesn't mean you're going to communicate with each other mm. um so people uh have to understand why is my husband or wife not communicating why talk to them you're not giving them the time that's probably why they're not listening <laughs> um you've got to take your time and nip it in the bud if it's something very minor otherwise it could just blow out of proportion yes and, and lead to resentment definitely definitely and if they're suffering from let's say internal grief from something else um that's going to go on you because they will actually push it against you uh, if they're going for a bereavement, for example, and you're not actually listening, why my my partner, my spouse is in a situation, and he's not listen, he or she's not listening to me. I'm in a situation. I'm bereaved. They're not helping me. Why? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Such good advice. Um, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on. Or your advice, rather, really, to, to, to youth who are thinking about marriage. We've already touched on, on this um, earlier in the conversation. But any other uh, things that you want to highlight to, to youth who are thinking about marriage? Start early. Start looking early. Um, by the time you're 30, as I mentioned, it's very difficult to find somebody. Um, because by that time, the pool has narrowed considerably. It's very difficult to find somebody suitable, a quality person, that is. Um, and 
that's the best time to find somebody because you need somebody you can trust. And you may have like-minded um, hobbies, interests. It's not hard to find somebody, uh, especially in a Muslim community, in a Muslim country, but it's hit harder here. So you need to start looking earlier and smarter. Uh, not harder, I should say. So don't be too big-headed about getting perfection because mm -hmm. uh, that's not going to work. You're never going to get it. And, and to be honest, if it was a perfect world, you wouldn't learn anything. <laughs> Life would be boring. Um, it's nice to have a few arguments in a marriage. <laughs> uh, let off steam. <laughs> and, and, and then resolving those arguments exactly, or problems. Exactly, yeah, exactly. yeah. And I think, I think it, it's in those issues and those problems that come up and, and resolving those that you actually do, as you say, learn and grow. You learn more about yourself and your partner and actually develop as a human being. And you can actually learn self-counseling skills. You just have to be empathetic. Mm, absolutely. Um, I'm coming closer to, to, to the end of our podcast with you. Um, I guess uh, my final question really was to ask you a little bit more uh, in terms of childhood trauma and how that can um, come up for us during during marriages um, and any advice that you'd have for for um, anybody that was thinking about marriage but feeling apprehensive because of what they've gone through in the past so thinking that actually I have this uh, or had this traumatic experience or experiences and I'm worried that they're going to show up in my marriage and in my relationships what what would be your advice to those people that are feeling apprehensive don't hide your trauma because that's the worst thing you can do um with me I never I've never hidden it I'm very very open about it mm -hmm. um otherwise people are going to think it, it never affected me you've got to be open you've got to talk to your partner, your, your husband or your wife, to say, this is the situation I'm having, uh, pre and post marital coaching. I do a lot of life coaching myself to, with people. Um, that's really important. And it's something that we need more of. Um, there aren't that many Muslim life coaches, uh, really. Um, it's not a regulated profession. So not in not unlike in America, but we need more people who can actually deal with these and there are some very uh, good imams that i know of who can do that but generally most people at illicrypt actually help our youth of today in terms of that um how much trauma are our youth going through we don't actually know um they know social media is really can be useful it could also be detrimental um i find it very harmful to be honest especially with the way things are going with marriage and divorce and we need to make sure that there are strategies in place to help our next generation. Um, we need to come to speak with them, actually. Um, no one's actually going to universities, ISOCs, uh, saying this is the situation. I don't think they know what the situation is, to be honest. Um, perhaps uh, we need more uh, discussion with the Islamic societies, uh, get the youth on board. Why are they suffering? Have you found anybody? Did you have any? Have you had any traumas? Talk about it, mm -hmm. and how did you resolve those traumas? Absolutely. We all have. We're all coming to a time where everyone's going through a lot of issues with social media, mental health issues. How many of us are actually suffering from mental health issues? Probably most of us, but it's how you deal with it. Uh, but how are we dealing with it?
Well, Jazakallah Khair Mustafa, it's been such a brilliant conversation. I really appreciate all of your knowledge that you shared with us today. Uh, Jazakallah Khair. Jazakallah Khair for having me. Thank you so much. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Mindful Muslim Podcast. I hope you found this one an interesting and useful episode. And inshallah, I will see you on the next one.